Coming to you live from the Republic of Texas and broadcasting around the world, this is the Max McGuire Show. This is our last chance to take this country back. That's true. Listen, it doesn't matter that Joe Biden is losing his mind. He still betrayed this country. Come on, man. So get ready, because the Max McGuire Show starts right now. Welcome back to another edition of the Max McGuire Show. My name is Max McGuire. It's nice. That was uh, old producer Josh was able to re-record that for me. A little bit of an echo because uh, for some reason the rumble started playing. That was old producer Josh. Um, recorded that for me. Recorded the intro. It's nice to have his voice um, there at the start. So welcome everyone to the Max McGuire Show. As I said, today is my last day at Conservative Daily. Um, you can see that on the right, <laughs> found a still still shot of me. Uh, not the best picture, but um, <laughs> that'll do as a placeholder for right now. Um, I had hoped that I would be able to come on Conservative Daily and say goodbye. Say goodbye to a, a community that I, I literally spent my entire adult life building. I joined up with Conservative Daily when I was still in graduate school. Um, Joe had like three or four people working there. Um, I got hired, ended up outperforming them. He fired them and I just ran it. So I had been running Conservative Daily for over seven years, almost eight years at this point. So I was hopeful. Um, I thought we had some kind of uh, an agreement. Reached out to Joe at the beginning of this week, asked him if, uh, if I can come on this week. And Joe told me that they're all full up, that they have booked out a week in advance and there's no room. In the, uh, in the proverbial inn, I guess. No room for me to come on. Uh, very frustrating because that night I turned on the show just to see. I said, hey, you know what? If, if they're too busy to let me come on and say goodbye, I wonder what's going on. They must have some really busy stuff, really big guests or big topics coming on. And I, I tuned in that night and it was just Jake on there just talking. So, I mean, that, that frustrated me to no end. Um, I, I, I told Joe right when I resigned. That I want to make this amicable. The only thing I'm asking for is for the ability to say goodbye. And uh, it, it, it definitely is. It hurts not being able to do that, not being allowed to do that. Um, so I figured I would use this opportunity to explain to everyone why I left Conservative Daily. Explain to everyone why I decided to resign. There's been lots of speculation about why I decided to resign. Um, Joe has said things that I, I don't think are completely accurate. Um, I've explained it a little bit on Telegram um, the best way that I thought I could. So I, I want to explain a little bit about why I resigned. I want to give you a taste of the show that I had planned that I was not allowed to do. Because I, I resigned after I was told I wasn't allowed to broadcast a show that I had already prepared and produced. I want to give you an idea of what that show was going to be about, why that show was not allowed to be on the air, and then just other things that I found really concerning that, that, didn't, that didn't prompt me to resign on their own, but um, if me not being allowed on the air was the straw that broke the proverbial camel's back, these are other things that were among the bale of hay that was already up there. Um, so hit that rumble button, hit that share button, comment, 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 really do appreciate everyone uh, supporting the show. This is available on all the audio editions, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, 
uh, and Podbean. So everyone knows that Joe and I had uh, had had a pretty big falling out, a pretty big falling out surrounding Ukraine, Ukraine and Russia. Um, I'm I'm no Ukraine stooge. If you watch old episodes of that podcast, you'll see that I was just as interested in understanding why Hunter Biden was being paid all that money to uh, to supposedly sit on boards for companies he knew nothing about. Um, so I was no Ukrainian supporter. I was. It's it's just a country. It's a country that what three decades ago didn't exist. We our relationship completely fell apart over this issue, and over whether or not Russia's decision to invade was a good decision. I mean, I'm sure you've all seen the footage. It's it's been linked to on the New York Times, Washington Post. Um, that was very frustrating for me to find to have friends of mine, family members. Um, family members of mine just uh, calling me up and saying, hey, you're in the New York Times and not having a not having a say not having a say over, over why I would find my name in the New York Times that became very frustrating and it's something that was happening more and more and more where Joe was making decisions that he was going to come out and say something uh, uh, be nice, provocative Less nice to be something outlandish to get media attention. Joe believes that there's no such thing as bad publicity. Um, well, when I'm getting dragged into it and I'm finding my name in the New York Times and the Washington Post and all these newspapers with people I haven't talked to for years calling me up and saying, hey, what, what's the deal with you supporting Russia? That got to be too much. Um, at some point, if we are partners and I should at least have a, have a heads up that he's going to say something that could potentially drag me <laughs> into these front page or, or second page stories. So our, our relationship completely fell apart over Ukraine, which was some, which was very confusing to me because I signed up and joined Servant Delhi to fight for America. It, it seems very strange. Even to this day, did our relationship fell apart over whether or not the show should be supporting Russia. Um, and that's something that, that one of the viewers actually wrote into us. And, and said that, hey, listen, he's, he told us, he messaged us on Facebook, I believe. He's uh, active duty in the military. And he was asking us, how are we going to say that we stand for America if we're, if we're standing for Russia? So it, it, it completely destroyed our relationship. And it wasn't just that. It wasn't just whether or not he supports one side or I support another side. It was in the attempt to support his position. The best way he, I guess, saw fit was to denigrate me, to say that I don't know what I'm talking about, to say that I'm wrong, um, to, to, I mean, it's one thing to defend your position, right? And I at no point was trying to attack him, I was attacking his argument. It got very personal, which uh, was something that I, that <laughs> I really didn't want to be involved in. I mean, if, I, if I'm going to go on a show and I'm going to lend that show credibility and I'm going to bring my research, my expertise to the show, and, and he's more than willing to let me do that for eight years, it was very out of character for him to decide that all of a sudden on this issue, that really hit, hit us out of nowhere, right? All of a sudden on this issue, I was no longer an expert who should be trusted. That I was no longer someone who can be trusted to do research and come to the audience with the best idea of what I think is actually going on. 
So I'm not sure why he made that decision to to stop supporting me as a uh, as a as a as a truth speaker. But he made that decision, and at that point, I had to decide whether I wanted to continue being on a show where my co-host, it seemed like every day, was telling the audience that I didn't know what I was talking about, or that I didn't have the life experience, possibly understand what was going on. I mean that that kind of that kind of talk. I'm sure he doesn't understand. He doesn't interpret it that way, but that's incredibly condescending. He had, he had no problem putting me in charge of Conservative Daily when I was 24. He didn't care about my lack of life experience then. Running the organization for eight years, um, it was it was very out of character for him to decide that all of a sudden on this issue, I just haven't lived long enough to understand what's going on. It's unfortunate. So all this is happening, and, and, and I, I realize, and, and I've been thinking about this for a while, too. I mean, I, I don't want to go hard on Joe right now, um, but there were times over the preceding year or two where I can just see Conservative Daily moving further away from what I, what I built. I mean, in all honesty, if, if it was 24-year-old me applying to the company, and when I was doing research, I saw the, the owner of the company was saying that he stood with Russia 24-7 every day of the week, twice on Sundays, I probably wouldn't have applied to that company. I wouldn't. Um, so it, it is unfortunate, but there were other times where I, I see the trajectory of the way the company is going, the podcast is going, um, and it just, it wasn't me. And in, in my opinion, it, I don't think it was conservative, right? <sighs> Saying you want to hang your political opponents isn't conservative. That's not a conservative way of thinking. Saying you want to drag people behind your car until their body parts fall off, that's not conservative. Saying you want to punch people's, people's teeth out, it's not conservative. I mean, conservatives can do that, right? But that's not, that's not the solution that I've always tried to present. This all came to a head, though, in early March. I think it was March 11th. It's somewhere around there. After all these different arguments, discussions debates, heated discussions. I had prepared a podcast um, like I had done hundreds of times before researching the issue of Ukrainian biolabs. Now, to this, this day, I don't know. I don't know what's going on in Ukrainian biolabs. I'm not there. I can tell you, though, that I don't think that Hunter Biden was secretly manufacturing weapons of mass destruction because we know at the time he was sifting through carpet fibers trying to find crack to smoke and was accidentally smoking Parmesan cheese, right? It, it, at the time, he would have been secretly involved in a weapons program in Ukraine. He was wandering through homeless encampments in San Francisco looking for drugs. So I, I don't buy that, but it's entirely possible. Something could have been going on in these labs. The problem is I haven't seen any evidence to it. I didn't see any evidence to it then. I didn't see any evidence to it now. When Russia came before the United Nations, and said they had evidence. Their evidence at the time was that um, was that Ukraine was was holding these kinds of biological pathogens. Ukraine was holding these biological pathogens, and that alone constitutes a weapons program. So I put together a whole podcast explaining legitimate reasons for these Ukrainian labs to potentially be holding these pathogens, trying to explain that no, it is entirely plausible. I'm not saying that it's impossible that they, were, they were, weren't weaponized. I'm just saying there are very plausible reasons 
for Ukraine to hold these kinds of pathogens. Cholera was one of the diseases that Russia claimed Ukraine was weaponizing. The problem with that is that Ukraine has repeatedly over the years had cholera outbreaks where people have died. We think of cholera as a third world disease, something that we don't have to worry about. Unfortunately, through the 1990s, through the 2000s, Ukraine has had to deal with cholera outbreaks. So there is every reason for Ukraine to have cholera on ice so that if there's another outbreak, they can compare what the current disease looks like with what they have on file so they can understand how to treat it, see if it's mutated, and they can help people. I mean, that's what these diagnostic laboratories are for. These diagnostic laboratories are there. They have these things on ice to, to ensure that if they pop up again, they can compare samples. They can understand what's going on. So I don't know if, if Ukraine is creating a secret cholera bomb, but I do know that just based on a, a very simple JSTOR search, Ukraine has had a real problem with cholera through the years. The other disease, one of the other diseases that Russia claimed was being weaponized was the plague, bubonic plague, pneumonic plague. The problem with that is that like cholera, Ukraine has a very big problem with the plague because of rodents, rodents that are called marmots. This is a, an article from BBC that Russia was cracking down on people, people hunting marmots because since these marmots were known to carry the plague, it was infecting people. So Russia was stopping people from hunting marmots. Listen, th these aren't unique to Russia. These are in Ukraine as well. And in Mongolia, nearby Mongolia, a couple died from the bubonic plague after they ate marmot meat. A teenage boy, damn ads, teenage boy died from the bubonic plague after eating marmot meat. This isn't an ancient news. This is 2020. And then here, 2021, from Rewilding Europe, an organization that tries to build up um, animal populations in these countries talking about how the marmots are settling in well to their new home in Ukraine. Ukraine has every reason to study the plague because there's little rodents running around carrying the plague. But that's why it's there. That's why there are veterinary labs in Ukraine with plague samples on ice because there are animals running around Ukraine with the plague. Happens in Denver too. When I used to live in Colorado, I, I, I don't, I mean, maybe they got under control now. The prairie dogs in Colorado around Denver have the plague. And so if you drive through Denver, you'll pass a hospital known as Anschutz Medical Center. Inside of Anschutz Medical Center, they have a diagnostic laboratory that keeps plague samples on ice, not to create biological weapons, but so that if one of these little creatures ends up infecting people, and the people come down with the plague, they can compare the samples. They can see how it's mutated. They can understand how best to treat it. So yes, in Denver, there are labs studying the same pathogens that they were studying in the Ukraine. Again, not saying that Ukraine wasn't weaponizing this. But in a world where there are legitimate reasons to be studying these pathogens, at least in my opinion, if you're going to claim that these veterinary laboratories are creating weapons of mass destruction, then the burden of proof is on you to prove it because there are realistic, legitimate reasons for them to be doing it. And then here is uh, the Anschutz Medical Center, how they publish papers on the bubonic plague. Anthrax was something that Russia discussed. 
Anthrax is a big problem in Ukraine, not because of terrorism. Anthrax is a big problem because in the last 100 years, there have been 24,955 natural anthrax outbreaks. It's in the soil. Now, if you remember when Conservative Daily was considering that ranch in Texas, I believe it, they, one of the problems was that there was anthrax on site. Anthrax exists in nature. It is, it is relatively common in certain areas of the world. In South Texas, I believe it's called the Anthrax Triangle, where it just naturally exists in the soil. We have to worry about it. Well, in Ukraine, there have been 20, almost 25,000 anthrax outbreaks in the last 100 years. There is a legitimate reason for these labs in Ukraine to be studying anthrax because their livestock keep getting infected by it. If you lived in a, in a part of the country where you, and you held livestock and your livestock kept contracting anthrax, you'd be hoping that the veterinary la a diagnostic laboratory down the street would be studying it. I mean, it, it just, it makes sense. Crimean Congo hemorrhagic fever. This is a nasty disease that has a case fatality rate of between 10 and 40%. It's, t it's a tick-borne disease. As you can see from the name, Crimean, it, is, it exists naturally in Ukraine. This is a disease that Russia claimed Ukraine was only studying to figure out a way to kill Russians. Now, imagine, I mean, we don't have a disease like this as bad in the United States, but imagine if our labs were not allowed to study West Nile virus, or if you lived on the East Coast in the Northeast, you weren't allowed to study Lyme disease. I mean, these are diseases that can be transmitted to humans through bugs. And there's lots of labs that study it. Well, in Ukraine, they have Crimean Congo hemorrhagic fever. Russia claimed that this was only, only for a weaponization. Couldn't be for anything else. Well, no, we know they're studying it because it's common in, in humans. And you can see here on all these people, it's, it's the National Medical University in Lviv, Ukraine, that published this, um, this article, this paper, on Crimean Congo hemorrhagic fever. I mentioned that university because when you go back to the State Department's page about how they were funding biolabs, that was the same university that was listed in a PDF explaining that we were that this Department of Defense was going to help fund them so that if they're going to study Crimean Congo hemorrhagic fever, they don't have to worry about it leaking. I mean, I understand how, how little bits can look really, really bad. But when you put all the pieces together, there are plenty of legitimate reasons for these labs to be studying this. Again, I don't know if they have never weaponized it. I don't know if it has never, ever been weaponized. I can't speak to that. But I can look at the evidence and I can look at the scientific papers on JSTOR and the NIH. And I can understand that there is a legitimate reason for every single one of those pathogens that Russia listed as biological weapons to be studied because they are naturally occurring in Ukraine. Ukraine has very bad luck in that regard. I proposed this whole podcast topic. And Joe shot it down. I mean, he has every right to shoot it down. He owns the company. I own a very, very small piece of the company. He shot it down. And I'm not going to put up his text messages. I don't want to violate that kind of trust. But he said, we're not going to do a show that goes against him. We're not going to do a show that discredits him. At that point, I, I made up my mind that this is not a place that I wanted to be. In the eight years that I'd been there, Joe and I have only disagreed on a show topic once. And he thought that I went too far. 
in that situation. So we didn't publish it. This was the second time in eight years that he had told me we're not doing this. Every other day, with the exception of one where he said I went too far, he had trusted me to guide the editorial direction of the organization. I was technically the chief of content, though I, I actually realized that no one else in the company knew that. So I guess I wasn't really the chief of content. Um, I'd always been trusted to guide the editorial direction of the company. And when I lost that editorial discretion, when I lost that editorial um, control, not like control, like, oh, we have to do this. But just if I bring something completely fully baked, I should be allowed to present it. Well, he said I couldn't. Took me off the air, said I was not allowed to go on and present it because it would discredit him and it would go against him. So I resigned. Resigned on the spot. Even though I, I, I kind of already knew that I had to get away from this, that was the final straw for me. There were many straws up on the camel's back, but that was the final straw. Now, I, I had no intention of doing this podcast at all. I, I told Joe, um, yeah, someone in the comment section said, you're welcome back at any time. Yeah, I'm not welcome back at any time because I asked to come back to say goodbye this week. And they said no, because they were too busy. So I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I, I had no intention of doing this podcast. Um, but I feel that I have to at least explain why I left. And in fairness, I mean, everyone there, I, I, they're decent people. I mean, I, I've, I've, I've talked with them. They seem like they're decent. But in fairness, I don't know if there's any conservatives left at Conservative Daily. I don't, I mean, I, I know a few, I, I think everyone actually has said that they're not conservative, that they don't identify as conservative. I don't know if there's anyone left at Conservative Daily who is conservative. I know Jake identifies as being a libertarian. I don't know if Joe identifies as being a conservative anymore. Um, I, I, I don't know about Apollo, Greg, Papas. Um, he doesn't, I've spoken with him on a number of issues. He never really struck me as a conservative. I mean, there were, there were shows where I was, I, it was, it was one on four towards the end. Like we did a show a while ago on, uh, on abortion and I was just presenting a very simple conservative position that, that life begins at conception. And I got pushed back from everyone. So I don't know if there's anyone left at conservative daily that is conservative anymore. I don't know if that name even fits, but I know that I had, I felt like I had no choice but to leave. Because my views were no longer being considered. Um, I no longer had editorial control, even editorial discretion. And uh, I was being treated incredibly poorly. I mean, th there were days where I, we left those shows and, and I almost wanted to resign then and there. Uh, maybe Joe doesn't understand how demeaning he was in some of those situations. How denigrating he was in some of those situations. I hope that he can go back and watch. Uh, there have been a couple of moments where he's gotten a little testy with the new guys that he has on there now. Um, I hope he goes back and watches because it wasn't fun. It wasn't fun. And unfortunately, the way our relationship has kind of devolved, the only time that I ever really talked to Joe was on air. We used to have standing meetings. We didn't have meetings anymore. We didn't meet anymore. So the only time I would really speak to Joe was right in the five minutes before air. 
just telling what the, what the show's about and then going on the air. Um, <laughs> so the only time I talk to him is on the air. And oh, by the way, I'm being denigrated. Not a great feeling. So I'm, I'm no longer with Conservative Daily. Today's my last day. They've already started moving things over. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm going to move forward with this. I have a couple other uh, job prospects that I'm excited about. But uh, I'm, I'm interested in putting that behind me. Um, I, I regret the fact that it came to this. I regret that I even had to do this episode. It would have been so easy just to let me say goodbye. I mean, it would have been so easy to let me say goodbye to the organization, to the, to the community I, I literally spent eight years building. Blood, sweat, and tears building. It would have been so easy. But for whatever reason, they decided not to. So um, I had to do this. I had to explain why I left. I had to explain why I could no longer be with that organization. If, if this is still the organization for you, then by all means, continue watching. I'm not going to try and drive anyone away from it, um, but I will say that, uh, that if you enjoy the content that I provided for the show, if you enjoy the content on this podcast, um, I, obviously you have a place here. Well, that's going to be it for this edition of the Max McGuire Show. Short and sweet. don't want to keep anyone here longer than you need to. That's going to be it for this edition of the Max McGuire Show. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe to the audio edition on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Podbean, and Audible. All those links are in the description. We're going to be going live 1 p.m. Today was a little late because I had to get all those old documents up and ready to go. Um, We go live 1 p.m. Eastern. Monday through Friday. Next week, I am going to be traveling, so you're going to see me on the inside of a hotel room. Um, apologies. I'll see if I have time. I have a couple things going on this weekend, so I don't know if I'm going to have time to pre-record, but I will at least have some short podcasts next week coming at you from a hotel room. So stay tuned for that. That will be coming at 1 p.m. Eastern time all of those days as well. That's going to be it for this edition of the Max McGuire Show. My name is Max McGuire. Remember, everyone, that the fight to take back our country is not over yet. But the only way we win is if we all stamp and fight together.